0: Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. We are continuing in these next few episodes on the butter and the honey. You can get more information on that in chapter 3 of Watchman News' book, The Messenger of the Cross. So take a listen to these episodes, and I pray that you will make the decisions to stay with Jesus throughout all of the opportunities to come in the days, months, and years ahead, that you will be one who finishes strong because you ate the same food that Jesus did. God won't put it in your mouth, my friends, but he does put it within your reach. And out of your freedom, I pray, you'll choose him again and again, and he will mature you, and you will finish your race. To the glory of God. Love you all. Okay, here we are. I've decided to stay with the butter and the honey. Now, you can read uh, in greater detail... In chapter 3 of Messenger of the Cross, on the power of choosing, how important it is the decisions that you and I make, right? There's an old statement that says, you know, big doors swing on little hinges. So you can see big doors, you can barely see the hinges that they open and close on, but you know if they are not connected to those hinges, you know those doors are not going to work. I don't care how small or how magnificent they are in size, they're not going to function and operate without those hinges. So your decisions in your life, the hidden private decisions that you make each and every day, are so, so key. So I'm going to stay uh, over these uh, next uh, very few episodes, maybe the next two or three, uh, on this uh, aspect of our development, uh, which brings about decisions, and then our decisions bring more development, more maturing to the Father. And uh, what will really mature us is the same thing that matured Jesus, that he went from a child from a baby that was born to a son that was given. Imagine with me if there were many more sons of glory. The many brethren that are spoken of in the Scripture lived the same way, chose this same way, and Holy Spirit would be able to mature the life of Christ within us, which is our real life. It's who we really are, and our thinking Uh, begins to be in full agreement with his thinking. And we begin to move, as the scripture says in some translations, more rhythmically uh, in his ability, in his grace, fueled by his love. My friends, that's the butter and honey. The butter is the richest, which is his grace, and the richest ability, his grace, And the sweetest is the sweetest of all loves. The only satisfying love is the love that is God himself. This is what Jesus knew intimately. This is what he drew from. He made a draw upon the grace of his Father that was within him. It's like you could have a drink sitting on a table, and it's full, and it's totally for you, but you have to put your straw, if you will, and tap it into that lid and you tap it in and then you begin to drink from it, right? You put the straw in and that's what enables you to be able to draw from that which is yours. So it's, it's, a, it's a simple example, but I want you to picture that, is that everything is available to you, but are you putting a demand upon the grace that's within you? This is where our will, our decisions become very key. So I opened up our previous episode uh, with the statement, and you see it written in the script that goes along with the social media graphics about the podcast. It says, God will put it within your reach, but he won't put it in your mouth. This is not a force feed. This is, as Jesus said, listen guys, I've got food I don't think you know anything of yet, but you will. (laughs) See, he had food, he had drink. That Holy Spirit knows how to feed the sons. And we let him teach us how to sit at his table, how to draw from the well of our salvation, Isaiah 12, 3, with great joy. These are all things that are learned daily as time goes by. These are not topics that you mentally give assent to and get some type of intellectual training. This is where he is actually training you, raising you, the same as he did for Jesus. Because you have the same one, the same teacher, same comforter um, as Jesus. It's Holy Spirit. You have the same Father, therefore you have his DNA, you have his nature, but now will you enter into the growing up process the real discipleship the education of the sons the same way jesus did jesus learned okay i'm re- i'm repeating many things to you today because this is so very very key we must be reminded of this and i am especially mindful of it as i'm still here in inger germany and we're going to be having meetings today and, and a debriefing on what we've just experienced and what we've seen because we know this is a massive training center here in Inger, Germany, which that word just happens to mean in German, basically a tight and narrow way. Uh, but it's going to lead into great uh, wide open spaces. This is something that God promised me years ago and, and being here and learning these things you begin to realize, I do believe God has had a plan, and we are discovering it. We are not making it happen, but we are discovering it. And it's so fresh that sometimes you're just almost a little bit in shock. You're like, this is actually happening. And we don't want to romanticize that, that, you know, it's just in the daily decisions, one foot in front of the other. And guess what? We find ourselves right where the Lord was leading. And and so I've been focused on the last several days uh, on Hebrews 12 uh, on training. In the Message Bible, this word training comes up. You're not being punished. You're being trained. The trouble you're in is not punishment. It's training. And then it comes to a place, I think, there in the section of the Message Bible, Hebrews 12, 4 through 11, that says it's those who are well trained who mature in their relationship with God. So come on, let's walk this way of Jesus. If we're his followers, let's follow in his way, uh, and let's allow the same. Let's eat what he's eating, the butter and the honey. He said, "My, my meat, uh, my meat is to do the will of my Father." And uh, so here we go. All of that was free. <laughs> Here we go. Now, I'm going to say some things to you that I've said before, but they bear repeating. You have a future, and it's dripping with butter and honey. The love and grace of God, all of the love, which is our motivation, right? The Scripture tells us, right? That which is not motivated by love will all be burned up. You're like, oh, my How am I going to make sure? No, no, you're not going to make sure. You're going to uh, take hold of this love, this honey. You're going to let him love you. And I promise you, he will cause it to all be done out of love. Excuse me. All done out of love. And grace, this butter, This rich, rich grace is God's ability to live this way, and you share in that. So again, Jesus told his disciples that he had food they didn't know of, but he knew that they would eventually if they chose to go this same way. Remember, Jesus was not on automatic pilot, right? This wasn't like, oh, well, that's Jesus. I mean, it was just, you know, he, of course, he was going, no. No, he was a man, son of man, right, who he was also son of God. But he came allowing himself to be a man who would choose to live in the power of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit would then give Jesus all the power, energy, animation, everything to live out his real desire, and Jesus, as he matured and as he grew, he chose. So I'm going to remind you, I briefly mentioned these things in our previous episode, but I'm going to go deeper with them now. And I want to share with you six or seven, let's see, I think there's seven in this list I have. There, I'm sure there's more. But this list I have of seven places where Jesus was making pivotal decisions, these, these small hidden hinges that continued to open up the big doors of his destiny, which was our salvation, returning us to the Father, uh, because first and foremost, Jesus did everything for the Father, then for us. All right, so do you see how pivotal this is? The decisions that you're in right now, don't let the enemy put pressure on you, that you've got to make it all happen. No, The Father's going to reveal things to you. You're going to talk. He's going to share. You're going to walk through your daily life, and He's going to make things clear to you. Your discernment is going to be sharpened, right? And probably, like me, like many others, probably you're going to make some mistakes. But let me just introduce Him to you as the Redeemer. He will redeem all mistakes, the manure of our life, if we let Him, and that mistake will become fertilizer at the very roots of your life with him. Trust me, he knows how to make um, trouble into fertilizer. (laughs) He knows how to make failure into fertilizer. Oh, that's so good. Failure into fertilizer. Mm. Come on, my friends. You cannot lose with the Father. Just stay with him. But don't be a perfectionist don't be a performer. A perfectionist completely paralyzes themselves because they can't make any mistakes. Oh yeah, you're going to. But for the most part, most of them, you and the Father will be the only ones that really know about them, right? Some of them may show up in public, right? But let's don't let the fear of failure keep us from the true learning process and let's move with Jesus He knows how to bring failing sons (laughs) into unbelievable glory. Just think about Peter and Paul. Think about them before the cross. Think about the failure that was so necessary and it fueled and fertilized the life that most of us think about when we think of them. Which was their life in Christ, with Christ, in their oneness with Him. Okay, so obviously I can go on and on. Let's get, let me, because it's just when I start talking about it, just the unfolding, the freshness of what God does. That's why I'm, I'm God centered in all my theology, my friends. I know I have a decision, I have a will, but I'm so much more aware. Of what he does, that he's the center. And if we would but yield to him, my friends, I can promise you, you will make it. You will make it if you yield to him in the best of days, the worst of days, the most boring of days, the most restless of days, any day, any moment, any time, when you yield to him, I guarantee you, he causes us to make it. So here are a few points of Jesus' life and the pivotal times of decisions. I'm going to list them. I'll probably close out this episode. And in the next two to three episodes, we're going to go deeper into what that means for you and I. So number one, at the age of 12, Jesus said, I am about my father's business. He already had, at that point of his development and maturity, he already knew certain things. And though he knew his identity, he knew he was the son to the father, the son, he he began to know. I don't think he knew everything, maybe, but he could still obey authority, though he knew who he was. Sometimes some of us figure out our identity, and then nobody can tell us anything. But Jesus knew how to be about his father's business in the synagogue, talking with teachers and Uh, those much older than him. And yet when his mom found him and said, boy, you need to get back in this caravan, we need to go home, he was able to go home. Right? Just because he knew who he was didn't mean that his development was over. It didn't mean that he could cast off restraint. No, he still went back and lived many more years until you see him coming on the public scene, if you will. Then we see him at the baptism with John in Matthew 3. I think verse 15 is one of the pivotal, pivotal statements. Now, his maturity had brought him to a place that because he knew he was loved, he'd been eating the butter and the honey all of this time, privately in his life, he could take the lowly place of identifying with you and me. You see, Jesus didn't need to be baptized. This was him identifying with sin-ridden, defiled mankind. Hmm? He who knew no sin was already identifying with us. And he tells John, look, John, let's just both do our part. (laughs) You do your part, because John's going on and on about being unworthy. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to do my part and identify with the human race. I'm going to go into these waters of baptism I'm going to choose death freely to identify with you. Now, you do your part, and you baptize me. I mean, John, whatever, after that conversation was done, and John sees Jesus' decision, John makes a new decision. I don't think my unworthiness <laughs> is the issue here, right? This is When you start getting delivered from yourself, as you interact with Jesus and as you walk with him, so number one, he was about his father's business at the age of 12. He went to the river to be baptized by John to identify with us in his 30s, right? The third is uh, there is uh, the temptation uh, in the desert, um, Matthew 4, I believe, and, pl- and several other places. But in the temptation that Jesus had to go through, see, it was necessary for Jesus to succeed where Adam failed. Jesus' success, because he ate the butter and the honey all of his life, uh, was that he chose the Father at every point. Adam had chosen himself at every point, Adam and Eve. They chose themselves. So it was very necessary for Jesus to literally go through those decision points. It was very necessary. He had to go through that to qualify if you will, um, to be that which he was destined to be. But he still had to cooperate with the Father and choose the Father at every point, and he did. When the enemy tempted him with, come on out here and prove who you are and turn these stones into bread, uh, Jesus said, that's okay, I'll just live off every word that comes out of God's mouth. Basically, Jesus is saying uh, whatever the Father has for me, that's enough. I'll just eat what he feeds me. And I, I, I live off his word, right? The butter and honey of the love and the grace of his Father. This is what Jesus had been eating all of those years. And that is why in the midst of temptation, right, Jesus passes the test at every point, And he had to. It was totally necessary. Number four is where Jesus rejects the false comfort of his friends and he reprimands and rebukes Peter. One of those places is Matthew 16. And Jesus is saying, I have food you do not know of. My meat is to do the will of my Father. You see, Jesus had deeply trained appetites. And because he knew the real thing, he never fell for the counterfeit, the fake, the faux love of man. Jesus didn't need the false comfort of his friends. When Peter's like, I'll protect you, I won't let them. See, if you've been eating self-pity, you're going to fall for that false comfort every time. Because deep down, you really think you're being mistreated by the Father. So when friends come along and people come along who who think, oh, you're too important to be treated that way. You're, you know, look at how hard you work. You better be careful, my friends. You better be careful and on high alert of of friendships and new acquaintances that think you need to be protected from the Father. You need to be, this is too much for you. And they start sounding like, the self-pity you have been deeply nurturing inside. You've been catering to self-pity inwardly. That's why if you go back into Hebrews 12, it talks about Jesus and that there are others, right? This great cloud of witnesses around him. Let's be put in the mindset, right, my friends, we are not the only ones working. We are not overworked by the Father, right? I mean, come on, everybody is an 11th hour worker to somebody, Okay, you're not the first, you won't be the last. Trust me, I don't care how long I've walked with the Lord. I've been with the Lord for 37 years. I assure you, I'm an 11th hour worker to somebody, right? I mean, there are people in the nations, my friends, in previous generations who paid a price I don't know anything of. And yet I'm here in nations, standing on the shoulders of people who went before us, right? I mean, come on. You cannot allow any cultivation of self-pity. It's killer. It's demonic. Ooh, the enemy loves to take hold of self-pity in the sons, but Jesus never, ever, ever went into self-pity. Why? Because he freely chose to go with the Father. He knew the Father. He knew what was going on. He and the Father had profound private communion together. Do we have this? Are we allowing this to be cultivated in us? Because that's what will uh, cause you uh, to reprimand and tell other people, listen, I don't need you to come around me, right, and fluff my pillow. I'm not being mistreated by my Father. I'm not being um, allowed to go through things that I should never have to do. We must, we must see these things. Jesus' appetites were deeply trained because they were deeply met, His appetite for love was deeply, deeply met uh, by the Father. Jesus knew the goodness of his Father. He was crowned by the goodness of his Father, surrounded by it. My friends, we must live this way because that's not intellectual knowledge of goodness. That's deep experiential knowledge. Hmm? It's what caused Jesus in Matthew 26, about verse 53, to be able to say, look, I could ask my father, trust me, my father would bring me out of this at any moment. There are 80,000 angels waiting for me. And I could say, hey, father, just uh, bring me on back to heaven. Let's let all them go to hell. Just bring me home. I mean, you have to know that Jesus could really say no if you're going to highly value his yes to the father. But Jesus said, "Um, yeah, I could do that. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Listen to me carefully. If you allow the life of Jesus to develop in you, the mind of Christ to be developed in you, my friends, you're going to think like this. As I know that I could step out of this and be loved. I mean, if I was loved when I was yet a sinner, I'm, I'm going to be loved, even if I choose not to go this deep way of the Father. Mm-hmm. That's not the issue. The issue is now... Has his love worked in me, towards me, that I now love the Father back? See, it's all supposed to be reciprocal. It's not just he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. At some point, my friends, if you're really drinking and eating of the love of the Father, if you're really bathing in the honey (laughs) spiritually, you're going to begin to love him back. The question isn't... If God loves us, how could he let these things happen? Here's, here we go, my friends. Listen, come on now. If we love him by the very love that he's loved us with, um, we, we will be loving him back and say, okay, Father, but let's continue on this way. Let's do it. All right, number five. At the point of transfiguration in Luke 9. Jesus could have returned. He could have said, hey, Moses, Elijah, I want to go home. But he continued to make the decision to continue to abide, to remain on the path to the cross. He was undeterred. Read about it in Luke 9. I think it's in the Message Bible. I love verse 51 or so where, he talks, where it talks about you know, Jesus gathering up his courage and stealing himself for the journey to the cross mentally preparing himself out of the butter and honey. I love in John 12 where Jesus, number 6, refuses to stand alone. He's like, I'm alive, but I refuse to remain alone. I refuse to remain the only son. I've come to give birth and to bring up out of the grave, right? I'll die their death so they can live my life unto the Father, and I refuse to, to remain alone. I'll go in the ground, and when I come up, I will bring many, many, many with me. And then, of course, the ultimate decision is that after living this life of making all these decisions that kept him on the path, continuing with the Father, it all culminates when he finally discerns that this is the death, this is the time. See, they tried to kill him many times, but he had to discern, is this the death the Father has prepared for me? Because that's the only death. He wasn't here to just die any death. He was here to die the death that had been prepared for him. And so he said, if this is the cup of my Father, will I not drink it? You can see in Matthew 26, John 18, you can see all of that. So my friends, We follow in the train of Jesus. This isn't something we do. We're following in his way, aren't we? Here under the big tent of God's presence in the provoking process of real true discipleship, which, my friends, culminates in sonship, which means there will be many sons who are eating the butter and the honey who will be the will of God and who will accomplish the will of the Father in deep oneness with him. All right, I certainly know that's enough for today. I look forward to our next times together. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymacrady.com or follow her on social media at McCrady.